Hello, welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast where we share stories, insights and strategies that go beyond some of the numbers we encounter in our work life. I'm Susan Lee-Trivon. I work with organisations who put people first. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. And together with my guests, we place a lens on and focus in on the people side of work life. Because we know that it is people who do the work, not numbers. And if we are treated well, we will perform well and might even generate better numbers. Today, I am so happy to welcome back Helen Joy to Life Beyond the Numbers. Helen, welcome this morning. Morning, and thank you so much for having me back. Oh, it's my pleasure, or it's a joy to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) So, Helen, something that keeps coming up, and, and I thought this was the perfect opportunity to ask you to come back and talk about this, because managing people or being promoted into a new job or taking a new job in a new organization brings all sorts of fears and doubts and insecurities back often for people and sometimes it's helpful to revisit the basics that we need to be a manager or a leader in an organization and to remember that we have the resources within to help us get through this new challenge or overcome a challenge. So I was wondering from the perspective of you and PeopleSpark, your organization and learning and development, what in your opinion are the three things that new hires, newly promoted, or just somebody who wants a refresher needs to know? I think for me, the first thing and the thing that people forget first and need reminding of first is they're already doing a lot of the great stuff. They might not know the theory. They might not know that such and such a body in 1983 came up with this great idea about, you know, based on psychological studies and what have you, but they're already doing a lot of the really positive great work around nurturing supporting and developing their people because they're great people and they forget that because we all are very good at forgetting the things or taking for granted the things that we do well that we find easy that we forget that other people find hard and when you've been newly promoted you finish on a friday as one person you come back in on Monday whether it's a new business or even with a new organization and you expect yourself to be a different person and in reality nobody else does you are promoted into management because the people who are doing that interviewing the people who are putting you in that post they see the potential they see what you could become They see those seeds of all the great things that you're doing already. They know you're not the finished article. They know that you're going to take some time and it's going to be a bit of finding your feet. They know you need to learn 
but they're not expecting you to suddenly come in on Monday morning and know all the answers. And that for me is the thing that most new managers forget the quickest. And I think we could say that about anyone at any level almost that you know the longer I'm on this planet the more I realize the less I know yeah. you know what I mean it's isn't it it really is and and that's okay because no one knows everything and no one ever will there's no such thing <laughs> but I guess when you start a new job or you join a new company in a management or leadership role, task often becomes where you hang your time around or the credentials around. You focus on task, task, task to the detriment, perhaps, of everything else. And is there a reason that we do that? I think for a lot of us, it's our comfort zone, because even though we might be great with people and we might have a natural propensity to be a better people manager than than somebody else, we still find comfort in the familiar. And it's it's a human trait, isn't it? We, We all do. We all slip back into bad habits. Dry January, going to the gym, all of those things. We all start off with the best of intentions, but we slide back into what's comfortable. And I think For a lot of people, that's what happens. Even though they've been doing a lot of this people stuff brilliantly so far, when it suddenly gets the spotlight shone on it, we very quickly start to feel afraid of doing it wrong. We may have an expectation that being a manager means being dictatorial, being autocratic, having to suddenly go from being one of the team to being in charge it depends on the culture that you're promoted inside of the last five or ten years has been a massive shift in in cultures in organizations certainly in the UK because that's the all I can speak for and and there is a lot more focus and understanding on the importance of people and treating them treating them right it's not quite everywhere yet but in a lot of places it's got better But for a lot of people, they don't know how to get the best from people when it goes from being something subconscious to something intentional. And they worry. I think the worry then overtakes in terms of they're going to do it wrong. They're going to upset people. They don't know what and how to do things for the best because, unfortunately, too many businesses don't upskill their people managers on those people management skills before or immediately after giving them those roles. Mm-hmm. If you go into a technical accounting, IT, engineering, sciences, all of those organisations, the amount of time and investment that is put into the technical aspects of our jobs is massive. Yet the amount of investment put into the people management side when people are then promoted into that role is minimal and that causes anxiety and stress and worry for people because they're not sure what to do for the best so they retreat back into the comfort of I know what I'm doing on the task element the people will be getting on fine by themselves yeah 
And I did because my managers were always crap or (laughs) whatever. Nobody looked after me. So why do I need to look after you? But I read somewhere that over 60% of new managers underperform or fail in their new roles. Eventually, your task is going to fail if you don't get the people side right. And I think the other problem is that in a lot of organisations, managers are assessed on their performance based on figures. (laughs) You know my views on that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think what that means is that that's where they focus. And an old manager of mine many years ago always said, inspect what you expect. So if you're inspecting the figures, that's where your managers are going to focus their attention. If you put metrics in that are more around people results, more around retention, more around productivity, more around engagement, more around all that kind of thing, that's where that manager will put their time. And fundamentally, the the thing that comes up consistently in every single measurement that the organizations or psychologists or, or whoever the scientists are that do these things, if you focus on getting everybody to work to their very, very best capability, to deliver in the right role, doing the right thing at the right time with the right people around them, those results will come every single time. And you know how I feel about Daniel Pink and his motivators. You give people that autonomy, you allow them time to develop and become masters of what they do. And you tie that into a purpose that means something deeply for them. They will give you results you beyond what you expect. And nobody's saying that's simple, but it's something to aim for. It is life beyond the numbers because instead of focusing on the result of the task that you have in front of you, you think about how that task will be accomplished and how that task will be accomplished is a group of people, like you said, doing their best at the best, in the best way, all of the bests. And yeah, I agree. It's, I think it is simple. I just think it's not easy to implement because it's back to how we started. The number one thing is people, when they start a new job or join a new company, they forget or they leave behind all the wonderful people skills they have and think differently that they have to behave in a certain way to lead. Yeah. And and they don't clarify expectations you may read a job description whose job description ever relates to what they do on a day-to-day basis it just doesn't they're the lists of tasks they're not the things that you do to achieve those results and one of the biggest biggest things for me that has come to the fore more and more over the the last sort of three or four years is that ability to voice your own expectations and to make sure that you are clear on the other party's expectations of you and when you're a middle manager you're sitting in between the leadership team and the people doing the do you need to be more sure of that clarity than ever 
because you need to know what the people above you expect, what the people underneath you expect. So you can manage those expectations and you can bridge that gap between who's doing the job and the people making the decisions because quite often there's a disconnect. And not only knowing the expectations above and below, but also understanding what you expect from those above and yes. below as well yeah. and communicating that because otherwise it's just a big jumble <laughs> well it is you've got all these people just kind of rattling around doing what they think everybody wants them to do and we all know how often does what we think somebody expects of us actually tally with what they do expect yeah and that's where the big challenges come in in any relationship is when you've got mismatched, mis- I can't say it, mismatched expectations. It's so true, isn't it? And the needs and wants not being met because, yeah, you 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 can't voice them. You don't understand, and you think. And I think this is something I'm sure every single person on the planet is guilty of in some way, shape, or form. Is you think when you say something that other people understand it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, the amount of times I've said, but it was perfectly clear and it was <laughs> in my head. It's just their interpretation because we forget that everybody else is sitting in that conversation somewhere else with a different set of factors that have got you into that conversation in the first place. And we so rarely bother to clarify what's caused that mismatched expectations. And For me, if you are a new manager, sit down and ask all the people around you what their expectations are and make sure that they're clear about what your expectations are as well. If you are not a new manager, sit down and do it anyway, because what you discover may very well surprise you. And I've had people say to me in the past, well, what if I hear something I don't want to know? (laughs) Isn't it better to know that? Isn't it better? Somebody's got completely wild expectations. Being able to sit down with them and discuss that and clarify some of it might, you might surprise yourself what you can help them achieve or what you can actually deliver for them if you think about it and you come at it from a different perspective. But just, it just, at no point is it a bad thing to sit down and say, can we just talk about what you expect from me in this relationship, whatever that relationship may be? because I need to let you know what my expectations are, because these are where the lines are. These, these are the things I can and can't do. And once we're all clear on that, at least we know. Yeah, and if you don't know, you can't do anything about it, no. can you? I, I heard somebody say recently, it's good to know the good stuff, but it's even gooder to know the bad stuff. <laughs> because yeah. that's the stuff that often goes unsaid and will cause the frustrations especially if you think that you've communicated clearly and you think the other person is perhaps doing it on purpose that they're undermining you and you jump to a conclusion so easily that actually is purely a mismatch in communications and can be resolved so easily yeah, but we dig in, don't we? we? We let our feelings get in the way and we, we dig in and we build and build and build and that's... And we're busy. Yes. There's time constraints. If you're in a, a really demanding role, then things fall 
And you think, well, I've said it, I've communicated it, on we go. That's it, matter, done, dusted, just get on with it. They must know, they understand the tasks, blah, 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 all of those kind of things. So the first thing is remembering why you're in that role, remembering who you are and where you came from, and remembering that it's okay not to know everything because no one does. Yeah. Absolutely. And that you're there for a reason. Yeah. That the people who put you in that role saw the potential. Okay. What would number two be? It's tied very closely into that. And it's knowing that it's okay to focus on your own personal development. Mm. And that personal development is absolutely critical for you stepping into that potential. It's okay. It's very okay to admit that you don't know everything. And, and I think it's a fear thing sometimes that we worry that, especially when we suddenly we're now managing people, we think the expectations of those people are that we suddenly know everything. Even if we've worked with them for four years and we've sat next to them at the same desk, they suddenly think that we had a download over the weekend and we suddenly know everything. And we don't. And it's about making sure that you build that time in to say, right, where do I need to develop? And being really honest and getting feedback you know, from people, where do I need to get better? But again, building on your strengths, what am I already good at? Because we don't do that. We go straight for those development areas every time, don't we? But actually, why have I got this job? What am I good at? What do I do well? What do my team like about the way that I engage with them and and how I, you know, set goals with them and do those things? Being intentional about the the conversations that we have and, and what we want to grow and build within ourselves and the kind of leader that we want to be and and I'm a massive believer that leadership's not about job title you can have the job title manager and be as far from a leader as is possible to be you can be a member of a team but clearly be the person who is the, the motivation and inspiration in that team I think it's about reflecting regularly sitting down and doing that whole what went well and focusing on the what went well not just focusing on that, well, that went terribly, because we're quite good at reflecting, or we don't reflect, we dwell. And there's a difference between dwelling and reflective on what didn't work so well. Yeah, we dwell on and, and ruminate. And then I suppose try to maybe assign blame or defend ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. If something goes badly wrong, and then it's the the instant response is, well, it wasn't my fault because nobody told me how to do that. Nobody told me how to deliver really bad news to somebody. And it's, but you've done that same thing six months ago when you're in a different role. And, and so what changed? You know, sometimes we, oh, well, suddenly I had to do it differently because I was a manager and I had to do it. You know, and it's, it's that bit of actually, again, when we look back on things, they're rarely as bad as we think they are. We, we do have this tendency to catastrophize as well. And to, the more we think about it, the bigger it gets and the worse it gets. And, you know, quite often the other person involved or the people involved, it's been a blip or it's been a bit of an irritation or they've not even noticed. <laughs> we've spent four hours stressing and anxious and not able to focus on anything because we're so upset about the way we reacted to someone or what we said or what we didn't say or what we did, you know, and, and actually again just being able to have that conversation and addressing those having the confidence to say actually can I just pick up with you about that 
or even yourself like sit down with a piece of paper and you know write down what what happened there and check your assumptions yes because you're jumping to a conclusion without all the evidence the facts whatever you're deciding that you were in the wrong or somebody else was in the wrong and then you're giving that story legs and it's leaping all over the place and actually it's all just a story in your head and if you go and tell someone else about it then it becomes even more real almost and suddenly it grows even more legs and expands and blah blah blah, takes up so much time and energy and space so taking a pause and just asking like well what happened there where did it derail yeah. how did I contribute to that yeah. being honest about yeah. it that's very hard for us to do too I think oh it is especially if we're operating in that point of fear that we're not ready for this job or fear that we've been overpromoted, or fear that everyone's expectations again are higher of us and I think sometimes we we put ourselves into those situations by not admitting that we don't know and and I have to say for me as a manager the moment that I realized that instead of just bullying my way through a situation I did spend 15 years in recruitment that I didn't actually have to just bluster my way through to to stop and go I don't know but I'll find out was revelatory for me and I was terrified the first time I said that because I thought I would suddenly be perceived as a terrible manager not having a clue what I was doing why was I in that role all of those things that was the narrative I was giving myself actually the person just turned around and went oh right okay brilliant thanks (laughs) that's a bit of an (laughs) anti-climax I was expecting the world to came in and and it didn't and that difference in having stopped creating this big problem for myself that took up so much of my brain space and energy by just admitting that I didn't know genuinely was shockingly life-changing and Obviously, I evangelise for the whole, just say you don't know, it's fine. Um, (laughs) Like you said before, nobody expects us to know everything. Nobody will ever know everything. And by pretending that we do, it it turns people off you. It turns people against you because it's so easy to see through. You're also creating unnecessary work and unnecessary conversations and unnecessary so much. I I honestly think that, that, that a large part of leadership is saying, I don't know. Because how can you? Oh, my God. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen the minute we open the door every morning and walk out into the street. Yet, for some reason, we feel we want to control things and we can't. Then the more tightly you cling to that image of controlling things, the harder it is when things go wrong. The further you fall the more you have to build yourself back up again. And personal development we're talking about here, one of the things in that that I'm thinking about is being able to ask for help. Like saying I don't know is one thing, but actually then being able to say, you know, I'm not okay. 
yeah. I don't know because I've got no headspace left because I'm stressed or yeah. I'm not okay because I've told everyone I know all along and now I know I don't <laughs> you know I can't admit I don't know anything I said I knew oh my god yeah and, and it, that's it's a huge personal development yeah. I think oh, the yeah. leap in personal development yeah. is being able to ask for help yeah because we tie ourselves in so tightly to our professional perceptions of ourselves and I do think that it's a generational thing and I do think that the generation coming in now do that less than we did and I think it is you know it's that simple part isn't it of instead of saying oh my god I don't know just turn it back and go okay well I don't know but what do you think because actually that person coming with a problem will probably have an answer they will know better than you because they're doing the job they're talking to that client they are on the cold face they know more than you quite often and and for me those leaders who have the confidence and surround themselves with people who are specialists in their areas who they sit and they will happily admit this person might be the head of marketing or the head of it or you know they know they are the expert in their field my expertise is orchestrating all of this I'm not expected to be a chief marketing officer chief technical officer you know a chief um financial officer I, I'm not expected to be those things because my job is bringing all of this skill all of this knowledge and putting it to its best use and and I think that for me ties right back to that personal development which is the best leaders are the ones who say this is what I'm great at this is what I'm going to focus on. And I will surround myself with people who there's some development areas. Yes, you need to work on. Yeah, of course you do. But there are some that actually your time's better spent. Focus on the good stuff. Fill those gaps with the people around you and, and take responsibility for doing that proactively. Mm. And I suppose with personal development, then does it ever stop? Oh, God, no. I'm, I, I've been in L&D for 20 years and I still buy at least one book a month because I can never know everything and things change and the world as it was 20 years ago, yes, I still talk about some of the same models and theories, but we apply them differently because those models and theories apply to the people and, and we don't massively change. You know, we haven't evolved that much in 20 years. But there's still so much. And I think every single individual one of us, no matter what our specialism or niche, our knowledge is this tiny, tiny speck in this whole vast universe of stuff. A drop and in the ocean. Exactly. It is. Grain of sand on the beach. It's that's how small. And, and I, I genuinely struggle to, to grasp how people cannot want to suck up more of it and, and I think it's an interesting point Helen personal development you can learn there are so many resources available there are books upon books upon books there are podcasts there are courses there's so many things but learning and knowledge is only useful if you apply it and you use that word apply and I think that's a massive thing isn't it is you take what you're learning and not everything will be applicable no. to you but if you don't start applying then you're not developing 
no. And every session, every workshop, everything I ever do, whether that's a 90 minute one or it's a, a full day or a program, always starts with. You'll start your learning in here, but you'll embed that learning when you change behaviours and you do things differently when you take that back to your day-to-day life. And it's not just about the workplace anymore. A lot of the stuff that we talk about are skills that you can apply across the whole of your life. And I think for me, if you don't apply anything from a training course or any kind of training intervention, if you don't apply any of it, it's been, it might've been a really nice day out, but it's been a waste of everybody's time and money. Because it's about what you do differently. And that's when I talk to, to clients, my one of my first conversations is always what do you want to see different in your organization as a result of this what behaviors do you want to see what kind of conversations do you want to hear how do you want it to be different and that's the start point and then building in opportunities for people to learn to apply that and then come back and talk about what worked what didn't work because it doesn't always work the first time. Yeah, and I suppose as well, it's about adapting to, isn't it? You can learn lots of different things and you might go, well, if I put that theory with this piece, then actually now I'm going to be able to change something. Yeah. And, and so it's experimentation as well. And, and going with what you feel you've learned from it. And that's how you're developing personally. And I, and I love what you say about how even at work, what you're you know, training or whatever, it can impact all parts of your life. I guess fundamentally the personal development part is about people as well. Yeah. Is that what you're getting at? Or am I putting words in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> no, personal development is, I think we've all got a responsibility to ourselves to continue to be open, to grow, to learn, to take on different perspectives, to understand different points of view. I change my mind about things all the time. I used to think that was a weakness and and, I was indecisive. And it's not that at all. I actually see it as a massive strength now because it means that I'm open to other people's perspectives other than my own. And every single thing that I I learn and hear and every conversation I have gives me a different perspective and a slightly different view of a situation and that's how we should all be we should all there's nothing wrong with going I used to think this then I learned this now I think that Mm. it doesn't mean there was anything wrong with where you were doesn't mean there's anything wrong with where you are now It just means you've widened your viewpoint and everything you learn as an individual impacts on the people around you. Your personal development impacts your team. And if you don't do that personal development, that impacts your team. Yeah, it's that simple again. And just because it's simple, it doesn't mean it's easy. And some things will be harder than others. I think that's it. But but not continually developing yourself will make it harder again I guess you'll have further to go from and it's really interesting because I've just had the thought that as a member of Chartered Accountants Ireland I have CPD requirements every year which are continual professional development and actually 
that word professional then makes you think it's not personal when it maybe it needs to be continued personal development or I don't know but I think the professional and personal often seem like they're polar opposites and that doesn't help in and so people will pursue technical development rather than spend time on personal development and also I suppose the the self-help books a lot of them have a, a bad reputation as well, that you're somehow weak if you're reading self-help and maybe they need to be called personal yeah. development. Okay, so that's enough of me thinking about things that are not relevant to this conversation. <laughs> but actually, there's just, just that, well, that, that kind of flicked for me then was it takes us back to when we talked about that's why we gravitate back towards that task. Mm. Mm. Because especially in technical professional environments because the emphasis and the focus is on there and that's easy that's the comfort zone the whole bit of the personal growth and development you think about a butterfly you think about a caterpillar into a butterfly that is not painless that it looks bloody painful it's a simple process they go into a pupa they pop out as a butterfly at the other end again simple but it's not easy because all the stuff's going on in there and for us to to morph from John in the team on Friday to John the manager on Monday, it doesn't happen. John becomes the manager six, 12, 18 months down the road when he's gone through that. Metamorphosis. You know, he's grown his wings. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that's that's the bit, but that's hard. And it, when it's personal development, we're vulnerable and we're exposing our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities and our insecurities of, yeah that's that's the word I couldn't I'm oh, sorry <laughs> no no that's it I was I was like what's that, what's that word that's the one um yeah and our insecurities and we're we're terrified that we're going to put them on show to people who we feel should respect us because of our job title and if you think about it actually our brain's main job all the time is keeping us safe yeah and so no matter even if you want to open up, if the environment that you're working in doesn't support that, then you won't. And your brain just won't let you. It will shut you down and you will find yourself lying about your strengths or whatever. Maybe lying is really a strong word to use. So let's say um, playing with the truth a little bit to suit the circumstances because it's not safe to say it as it really is and you know what that's okay too because if it's not safe then you have to keep yourself safe and then you have to figure out am I in the right place yeah because if they're not going to support your personal development you can do what you like outside but it still has to carry into the workplace and you have to feel yourself because if you don't know yourself you can't develop self Absolutely. And I think that's been exacerbated so much with the rise of homeworking as well, because even if you're in an organisation where you didn't have that sense of safety, there was usually for most people found at least one relationship, one place where they could go and have those conversations and feel that safety, even if it was only just for, for half an hour at lunchtime or 10 minutes at the coffee shop, whatever it might be. And I think for a lot of people, 
where there's been an increase in homeworking, you might not necessarily, even if you're a hybrid setup, you might not be in the office at the same day as that person. It's not as easy to develop those relationships and to engage in those conversations remotely as it is when somebody just bumps into you in the, the lift lobby and says, you okay? You know, you might not ever have a professional interaction with that person, but you can develop that friendship, which you just don't get the opportunity to do. And I think there's a lot to be said about how we work now. There's still a lot of work to be done about how we get that part right. Absolutely. And that's because not all of us know everything. So it is a work in progress. Okay, so number two, personal development. And there's so many avenues to that. And we could probably do a whole episode just on personal development. And maybe we'll come back to that. So a third thing, Helen, that you think can really help new starters in new managerial roles and new businesses like we're kind of talking about today even though I think you'll see this can gravitate anywhere no matter where you are in life what would something a third thing be don't be so afraid of difficult conversations oh one of my favorite topics (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny for years and years and years I've spent sessions and workshops and time and hours and hours and hours talking to people about managing those difficult conversations and I've been guilty of doing the whole okay well let's put the framework in let's give you some steps to get through this difficult conversation and it's only been in the last sort of five years that I've kind of stopped and gone oh hang on a minute let's look at this differently because actually there's no difficult conversations it's about understanding that you are just two people with two different perspectives and you've both built it up into something completely different and probably worlds apart from each other's perceptions of it. I still have a framework that people use, but it's used completely differently. And it's used much more around sit down first and unpick your own perception of it and and look honestly and openly at, at why you think this is a difficult conversation yeah because that's what I would always ask is what makes this conversation difficult for you yeah because it's not that the conversation is difficult there's something creating a difficulty for you to approach it so sorry I interrupted but I couldn't help it (laughs) (laughs) but it is it is that but it's you've got to stop and, and and again back to that reflection what am I turning this into that it, that it may not need to be? And it's about then approaching that other person with a genuine intentional curiosity. Put your own agenda to one side because 20 years of learning and development, 18 years of management, leadership and development, possibly on one occasion has the problem that someone thought was the issue actually being the problem they thought was the issue. Quite often it's something completely different. So it's put your agenda to one side and sit down and find out what's going on for that person and find out where they're coming from. And again, simple, but not easy. No, and 
It has to be genuine as well, doesn't it? I mean, it's fine to say be open to what somebody has to say, but if you're sitting there going, Jesus, would they ever get on with this? You know, like that's not going to help either. I, I think about the difficult conversation one as, as preparing yourself to be in the best state to be able to manage whatever happens yeah. and like you said it's never going to be what you thought about what it was going to be or very on the very rare occasion it is and it's the consequences isn't it that we we jump again we make assumptions and those stories that we create in our heads and ruminate and go oh, well now if I sit down with Helen and tell her that that her work wasn't good enough this week. She's just going to tell me that blah, 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 blah. And she's going to start screaming and then I'll have to get HR involved. And it again yeah. grows legs, doesn't it? Rather than just going, I need to have a conversation with Helen. I'm going to go into the room and I'm going to ask Helen about her performance. And Helen's probably going to tell me, do you know what, Jesus, this week I, you know, I have this going on, that going on, whatever. And it could be such a different conversation, the way we approach it. Yeah, absolutely. And as a manager, we forget how much influence we have on the culture of that team and how our moods, our feelings, our emotions have a massive, massive influence and impact. I used to work for somebody a long time ago who, when she was in a bad mood, everyone just got the head down and it was awful. And she would find someone to pick on every day that she was in a bad mood and it was, it was hideous. And I genuinely don't think, with a lot of hindsight and a lot of distance, I don't think she realised how pervasive that was for every single person in that group. I think she kind of knew the person she picked on was, she was making their life difficult, but I don't think she realised that we all waited till she came in to see what mood she was in, to decide whether we could breathe or whether we could actually have a half decent day. She was extreme and, and thank God it, you know, a rarity, but when we create not even we don't we don't consciously create that culture we sort of when we create that we don't we might have an idea of the kind of manager we want to be but how often do we intentionally focus on that on a daily basis when we know we're not in the naturally best frame of mind that's a big question isn't it? That is a big question. And we need space to do that. And I think it's back to reflection we talked about a bit earlier. If you're going from meeting to meeting, which many of us, I mean, I know I did in my em employment days rather than self-employed days, and, and you're not creating any headspace you can't possibly process everything that's going on. You cannot bring your best self to things, can you? And you cannot face into a conversation that could potentially blow up in your face 
without being prepared for it. Yeah. yeah. And I do think things have moved on so much. And I think there's a lot more awareness of things like emotional intelligence. There's a lot more awareness of being intentional and, and trying to make sure that you go into every interaction, having cleared your mind than, than 10 years ago even. But I do think that the pace of life and the pressures of challenging economic circumstances, the financial pressures that people are rapidly being impacted by at the moment, mm. um, different stages it's like fear of, of people losing their jobs and that kind of thing. And, and fear and anxiety and stress are not your friend when you're trying to create an environment. And because the other side is you, you goes two ways, doesn't it? One is you can let it leak out of you and, and let everybody see it because you, it's too much and you can't contain it. Or you spend so much time trying to keep it in and trying to protect your team that you actually end up making yourself ill because you're absorbing stuff again from both sides because you've got it coming down, you've got it coming up and, and you just try and absorb all that. And, and if you're not in an environment where you have the support to help through that it's really really hard and then it's impacting your life way beyond the office and the workplace and the first scenario where you're letting it seep out of you it's really impacting the lives of everyone on your team yeah. and then everybody in their family and yeah. their friend network and all of that the ripple effect is huge and even if you're not letting it seep out of you you're also not fully available for your team yeah. yeah so yeah the ripple effect of one person being too far stressed too far whatever it's huge and and i use the term well-being so it's got again a bit of a bad name almost at this stage yeah. but actually being your best self is about your own personal well-being, isn't it? And being able to do what you've talked about here, the difficult conversations, continued personal development and knowing that you are enough, because that's really what the first yeah. one was about, that you are the person you need to be. And this is why you're in that position. Then actually it's your responsibility to keep yourself at your best. Yeah. And to do that, it's back to the asking for help, delegating, trusting your team and managing those expectations because often the mismatch between those two is what's causing that stress. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's funny, it's a slight aside, before we went into lockdowns and before everyone had to start working from home, a lot of the management of leadership in corporates worries were that people were going to basically skive off at home. And actually the opposite is true. The amount of people who are working ridiculous hours at home because it's too, I was say it's too easy to do. It can be life shattering to do, but it's when you have to physically get up and leave a building it, it's different to when all you have to do is, is shut a door or move across a room or what have you and I think 
having some of those conversations and those difficult conversations are going back to your manager and saying that I'm working too hard and it's effectively unproductive because the impact that it's having on me, the impact that it's having on my team, and actually it needs to stop. That does not mean that I am not enough, does not mean that I'm not committed to my growth and my career and, and doing the very, very best I can in this job. But it means that I've realized that these, whether they're expectations you're putting on yourself or they're expectations that are being put on you, that whoever's expectations they are, they're too much and they need to be dealt with. And I think it's just so important for people to know they can do that. Totally. And, you know, when, when I think of what we call difficult conversations, it's really resonated with me there that I might not always think of those ones. I always think of it when I'm managing people or when I'm firing people or whatever it might be. But actually those conversations, asking for help or saying I'm not okay, are the difficult ones. And they're difficult for us to admit that we need help or we don't know or we're not okay. But there's great strength in opening up and telling others. And, you know, if you get a bad response from your line manager, then the question for me is, do you really want to work there? What, what's the future for you? But by knowing yourself, you know when you're not safe or not in your best state and it is your responsibility to look after yourself yeah. because actually you've got a long way to go yeah if you, you know no matter where you are in your 20s 30s 40s 50s there's still a horizon ahead mm-hmm. that you cannot borrow from the future by living in a stressed state now you have to manage your health mental and physical health to be the best and to help others be the best and to have a fulfilling work life and it's funny isn't it because that leads into the whole conversation about boundaries which is one of our other which we're not even going to start on that one because that's one of our other favorite topics of conversation because again it is that expectations those conversations that's what it again, ties really closely into, which is knowing what our own personal expectations are of ourselves. And maybe just one thing there is when we say you are enough and you're put in the right, in the role for the right reason, you are enough, absolutely. But that doesn't mean there isn't room for growth. And I think that's the other thing. The growth is not about, well, if I'm enough, I don't need to learn anything. (laughs) That's not what I mean. I mean that. You know, having that aspiration of always wanting to learn more and be curious about what else you can learn, even from different fields, just adds new perspectives. And I think wanting to improve and grow is always, always a positive and will always benefit you and you will always be enough. Helen, that was so interesting I loved going through all of those three things with you and how they just keep tying back in a loop and 
I think we'll come back at another point and do another couple of these because it's nice to have a little, I shouldn't say a little, it's nice to have a deep dive into just a couple of isolated topics and uncover and unpick a bit more what they mean. So I'm sure you'll come back if I ask. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Try keeping me away. <laughs> Brilliant. So, uh, Helen, again, as I ask everybody, how can somebody connect with you if they'd like to hear more? Yeah, lovely. So thank you for having me again, Susan. Uh, always a pleasure. So LinkedIn is always kind of the, the easiest and quickest place these days, isn't it? So I'm on, on LinkedIn as Helen Joy. Also have a website, which is people-spark.co.uk or drop me an email at helen at people-spark.co.uk and always always happy to um, chat to anybody about anything to do with this subject because as you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it. Absolutely and I want to say a big thank you to Helen as well because Helen was one of the first people I interviewed and so gave me the trust to do that and episode six was learning how to manage and I'll put that in the show notes but also Helen has introduced me to a whole host of people that have come on this podcast who have also introduced me to a whole host of people so the common denominator you know the six degrees of separation it's Helen everywhere I go (laughs) so Helen I just want to say a big thank you for coming on here but also for recommending other guests who also did the same and all with the same belief of putting people first Oh, absolutely. You're very welcome. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would enjoy it too. I believe we are all entitled to enjoy our work and the future of work life will be changed by those who put people first and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and organisations. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to have covered, guests you'd like to hear from, or questions for me, please drop a line to susan at beyond-thenumbers.com. And finally, please consider leaving a review.